I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a voracious reader when I was a kid. Um, yeah. But I, but I mean, it, until you really like find books that you find books that you love. Yeah. I liked more fact books when I was a kid. Actually, I liked books about dinosaurs and space travel and things like that because they were a bit easier to digest. I think you know. A lot of kids say that as well, and some kids really like factual. But I was, I was actually going to say, I feel now more than ever because there's you're battling against screen time as parents all the time finding books like yours in particular to get kids into reading is a great thing for us as parents well i think the main thing is you want to encourage kids to read for pleasure don't you so you want books that are fun and maybe still have some kind of interesting themes and points and emotions in them but ultimately you want them to devour it and it not to be something you have to make them do because they're only a reader if they choose to read, really, aren't they? Yeah. If you have to make them do it, then they're not, they don't really enjoy books. And so it's important, you know, and it's important because once they sort of have broken that barrier and thought that, you know, and they think that books are fun things, then they'll just read more. That's the hope, isn't it? I know. I think I made the ultimate mistake at the beginning by trying to force it and it became like a chore. And then anything that your parents want you to do, you don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, but you know, there's more great books out there than ever before for kids, isn't there? And I think children's books are taken quite seriously now, aren't they? They're reviewed. There's lots of real superstar authors out there, you know, from like Julia Donaldson to JK Rowling, you know, taking in Dame Jacqueline Wilson and all these just amazing writers, you know, Neil Gaiman, that's incredible people creating this incredible work so kids are not you know kids are kind of spoiled for choice really david we have a slot on our show weekend breakfast little readers and it started in 2015 which means that some of those are now definitely not little anymore um and i would say it's once a week and i would say 75 to 80 percent of the time we say what book are you going to read for us on air and it's one of yours always well, that's nice to know, but I think they do read some other people's books as well because there are some brilliant, brilliant things out there. But that is that is pleasing. It's a, it's a lovely thing, isn't it? Because I think kids are a tough audience in a way. You know, if they don't like something, they'll tell you, and they, you know, they they're drawn to certain things and not other things, and so you, they they don't fake it. You know, and sometimes you go, "Oh, I must read that. It won the Booker Prize or something like that," and you're like, "Oh." Yes, <laughs> you know, I'm not obviously very, very great, great books I've read, but I'm just saying, don't always enjoy the books you read as a grown up. Reading them because you feel you should, or you feel it's important, or you're missing out on something if you don't. But kids, I think, they're not going to get to the end of a book they don't like unless they're absolutely forced to in school or something. There is a misconception that writing for children is easy because it's not, is it? I mean, you're so prolific. You've proven very, very successful to say the least, but it's not. Like, that's a myth, isn't it? Well, I think the thing is that children's books often feel very simple, don't they? So you read something like Judith Carr's Tiger Came to Tea and it just seems, oh, well, that's easy. I mean, it's just a tiger that comes to tea and, you know, eats all the food and then it leaves. I mean, and and, I, and it's not that it's just so brilliantly simple that I think it's quite seductive to think you can come with the same thing. And of course, you can do the gorilla that came for lunch, you know, uh, the dinosaur that came for dinner, whatever. But of course, it's too late now because she's done that. <laughs> and there's a sort of poetry to the way she writes and such a beauty to the way she illustrates that you're probably never going to come up with something kind of that that special uh you know in in that way again um i mean it's probably a bit easier than writing for, for grown-ups 
<laughs> it's probably easier to be David Williams than than uh, Hilary Mantel or uh, Martin Amis or something, isn't it? So, well, <laughs> I suppose it's the thing that everyone feels they've got an idea that would make a good children's book, haven't they? Because they've got a little fun story about their pet or, you know, there was a little story that their granddad used to tell them that they never wrote down. And, and you know, that's good. It's good that everyone feels they've got a story they can share. I suppose it's not easy to have a successful book, just as it's not easy to have a successful song or a successful film or whatever. It's just one of those things, isn't it? But I guess the simplicity and the brevity does encourage people to think, oh, yeah, I'll have a go at that. But they're very welcome to. Um, (laughs) And, you know, the more the merrier, I say. I know, but you have not a shortage of ideas at all. And the reason why we're talking is, of course, you've got another one coming out this month. And it's it's something that is through generations fascinates people is space. So you're it's space boy. You're you know, it's Ruth. We're in a you know, the Midwest in the States many, many years ago. Was this a setting that you wanted to write about for a while? Because you liked space when you were younger? Well, when I was a kid, the I was born in nineteen seventy one, so the moon landings were just before I was born, but it was still a big fascination. You know, and there were loads of brilliant, you know, images out there and books out there. So I, I was interested in it, and lots of kids are interested in space travel, aren't they? And then when I was about sort of nine or ten, that's when the space shuttle came along. So that was really exciting. I had a poster of it on my wall. And um and so yeah, it's something that I'm I've always been interested in. I mean in it, not no, no experts on it, but but certainly had a had an interest and always sort of thought, God, I'd love to go into space. And I thought it was just something I was, wanted to write a book about, but I sort of thought I have to have a, you know, what's my way into this? And so I thought if I set the book during the space race of the 1960s in America, then that gives me something because that was, I guess, when the excitement over space was probably at its height. And and then the story is about an alien crash landing on Earth. But there is a big twist in the story where things are not as they seem. So once I'd had that idea... I kind of felt I had something original that I could go with because um, obviously you don't want to be compared to things that sort of, you know, you don't want to go, oh, it's just ET or it's just this or whatever. You know, you 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 want to hope that you've got something, you know, original yeah. there. But I had a lot of fun with it because it's quite a heightened world that I've created. Um, I love the movie Doctor Strangelove. Have you ever seen that? The Stanley Kubrick movie. And I sort of wanted a little bit of a flavour of that. Not to compare myself with Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> but um, it's just something I loved. I always love those characters, you know, that Peter Sellers plays and the other characters in it, you know, that, that American setting, you know, the president and um, the generals and things like that. I sort of wanted a bit of a flavour of that. So it was it was really fun to write because it was new to me. Yeah. And I, I suppose with my books, I was setting a lot of the books in like the present day in, in Britain. And it was sort of like, it was another school, another group of kids and teachers. And I just sort of thought, I just can't create another headmaster or headmistress. I just don't, I don't, I don't I've done, I've done the tall one. I've done the scary one. I've done <laughs> the old one. I've, you know, I've just I've, I've done them all. Um, and so. And so, so yeah, it was, it was, it felt fresh for me. It felt exciting for me. And also, I quite like writing stories before computers, before uh, mobile phones and things, because I just yeah. feel like 
I don't know, it's a bit easier to have an adventure. You know, I think so. Phone, it's just like, where are you? I'm here. All right. Can you come home now, please? Whereas, you know, it feels like would would the famous five stories have worked if every if all those kids had a mobile phone? No. I don't know, it wouldn't be the same, would it? Because they wouldn't be in their own adventure in the same way. So so yeah, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun writing the story, and then it, it is a illustrator called Adam Stewart, who's really done an incredible job and made it really visual. It and is talking about encouraging kids to read. I, I sort of want there to be something on every page that's interesting to look at visually. Either we play around with the text, we have illustrations or something, just so it feels for the reluctant reader. It's kind of kind of dragged them in. Actually, that is a really, really good point because we think about like our childhood. I think about mine versus my daughter's and I didn't have an iPad. I didn't have those things. And we have a cottage in Canada with a rotary phone. Like it's so old that the first time she saw it, she was like, what the hell is this? And like, there's no way that's going to work. And we were always let to just roam and build forts. And she's never done that. So that's actually such a good point to think about building the story around that time for children to understand it wasn't always the way that it is for them. No, I know it's 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 hard for any parent, isn't it? Because you don't want to, you know, deny them the pleasure of playing a computer game or something like that. But you do have to ration it. Otherwise, they're going to do it all day. Yeah. Um, but the kind of freedom that the children, a children need in a children's story, I feel they need to be free of screens and they need to be off having adventures, which is sometimes why a historic, uh, you know, a historic setting works well. Even if it's not a historic setting, you still don't need to have mobile phones and screens and you don't need to touch on that in the story. David, when we said that you were going to be on the show, we got some questions. Do you mind if I put this to you? I would I welcome these questions. Okay. So, because they're better than mine, right? So we got the children to listen to the show. So Orla from Cork has a question. Hi, my name is Orla and I'm from Cork and I want to know how you get like all the inspiration and imagination for all your books because they're really good. Oh, well, that's very sweet. Thank you very much. Well, I think I think we all have great imaginations because we all dream and we always wake up in the morning, don't we, and go, oh, my goodness, I dreamt this, I dreamt that, and it's something fantastical. Um, and I feel like what you need to do when you write is daydream. You know, you need to get in that place where you're sort of alone with your thoughts. So when I was a kid, I'm not saying this is what you should do, um, but... I was, you know, alone with my toys quite a lot, my comedy records quite a lot. I was, I, I didn't, I actually quite liked being alone and just being alone with my imagination. So I suppose that's probably when it was developing in terms of me trying to think up, you know, characters and situations and stuff. But kids are really imaginative. I mean, if you watch them play, they go from being, you know, an astronaut to a policeman, to a spy, to a detective, whatever, you know, in the space of a minute sometimes. And when we play with toys, you know, and figures and things, we are, we're creating our own stories, aren't we? I mean, I used to do that with my Star Wars figures. New adventures with my little figures, you know. So we all have that capacity. It's just holding on to it, you know, as we grow older. And, and making sure that it's something we, you know, stay in touch with. And I actually think that children's books help us do that, like actually help us tap into our imagination as adults. Another question came in from Jenny. Uh, she said she spoke to you on the radio before. Hi, my name is Jenny and I live in Ireland. And I just have a few questions for David Williams because I've talked to him before on the radio. 
And my number one question is, what's your favourite animal? Because mine is a cheetah, because I love how they're so fast. Oh, okay. Probably something big like an elephant. I think an elephant, you know. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to have one as a pet. <laughs> Even if I do sell more books, I still think it probably wouldn't be not good. It wouldn't be a good idea, but I just love their trunks. I love their sort of gentle. I love they're so unusual looking aren't they and beautiful and i love that sort of that incredible power they have sort of sweetness they seem to have as well so i love elephants and they're great in stories aren't they and in movies and things like that when you see elephants, yes it's a pleasure so i would agree so anyone's listening and wants to uh buy me an elephant they can <laughs> you'll find somewhere for put it, it put it in the post and uh <laughs> We have the final one is Dara is nine. This might be a hard one for you to answer. Hi David, my name is Dara and I am nine years old. And um, out of all the books you reckon, what is your favourite character and why? My favourite character is um, Rad and he's basically in every book you reckon. Thank you for writing all of these books and bye. Well, it's not too hard. I, I think I think the thing I would say to budding writers is it's important to have good villains because a good villain really kind of gets the story going. I would say without Voldemort, Harry Potter's just having a lovely day at school. You need Voldemort. In a way, he's a more important character than, than Harry, isn't he? I mean, you know, Harry's your hero, but, you know, if he's got nothing to fight against, there's, there's going to be no excitement. So... I think the villains in my books are fun. And one thing that I learned from Roald Dahl, who's my hero, was if you can make your villains a bit funny as well, it, it, they, they're, they're fun to spend time with. You know, Miss Trunchbull, even though she's monstrous, you do want to spend time with her because she's funny. Yes. And she doesn't, you know, she doesn't like slap children around the face, but she swings them around by their pigtails and throws them out the window. Which, although if in real life that happened, that would be horrible. Problematic. In a book, it's funny, isn't it? Because it's cartoony and it's not meant to be real. It's not meant to be something that really happened. It's just a bizarre and, you know, fantastical image. So so that's something I like. So I liked creating the character of Bertha in in, um, in Awful Auntie. There's a character in, the, in Space Boy called Dr. Schock who is like the, the villain of the piece. And he was a lot of fun to create. And it's amazing how, when you're writing a story, how energizing having a villain is. Just all of a sudden the atmosphere changes because suddenly you've got drama, you've got threat, all of those things that you really need to make an exciting story. So, um, Great. but obviously the villains tend to, you know, be disposed of by the end of the book. So I don't have any villains that go from one story to another. Right. But- but they're but, fun to create. They're fun to create. Oh, they are. But they're they're also they're sometimes hard to create just because everyone's already you know. There's so many villains out there. It's like what's the you know what's the, your new take on a villain? Uh, and it's got to be something original. When I've got the villain right, I always feel like oh, I'm kind of cooking on gas. Then you know, I feel like right. Yeah. I never know. Well, gas has become very expensive, but um, but I, <laughs> but, you know, I feel like with well, the story's going somewhere now, you know, yeah. and yeah. I feel like even just a school bully or something like that, or a horrible teacher or something like that, even they are great. 
It's funny, you know. you're so visual that there's a story about the drooler and saliva and world's worst children yeah. in the first book that at any time I had to skip that because I actually felt like every time I read it, I was like, what? When I was reading it to my daughter. Yeah, well, they're quite fun because they're very surreal. And, yeah. and I really designed them for the reluctant readers, the world's worst books, because I was going into schools and wherever I was, sometimes with Britain's Got Talent, I find myself somewhere I wouldn't normally be, you know, like Glasgow or Manchester. And because Simon Cowell likes to stay in bed till three o'clock in the afternoon, I'd always have the mornings free. So I'd say to the publishers, can we find a school to go to? And can we pick a school that, you know, maybe it's a more sort of a less privileged area, you know, that maybe they don't have lots of visitors and that kind of thing. And and I like to go into schools and then I ask the kids, you know, who who likes books? And I say, who thinks books are boring? And, you know, you'd always see some some boys at the back, I think books are boring. I said to them, well, why? They don't have enough killings. <laughs> like, oh, okay. But I thought, God, I need to, these are the ones you need to convince to read. You know, the, the, the eight-year-old who's read all the Harry Potter books, they're going to be fine. The 12-year-old who's never read a book, if he's, you know, if they're not going to do it soon, and it's boys more than girls, they're yeah. never going to read anything. And you did, and it's it was quite usual to read, meet grown ups who never read books. Yeah, you know, yeah, usual thing. Um, and so, and so, I really wanted to create something that's just really fun for for that for 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 the reluctant reader. I love the Beano as a kid. Yeah, and and the, if you're reading the Beano for pleasure, you're a reader. Yeah. You know? Bino's really funny, really exciting, obviously very visual. Yeah. And I wanted something that was sort of had a flavour of that about it. So, and of course, the Bino is full of all, you know, it's naughty children, isn't it? It's the sort of biggest theme that runs through it. So I was definitely inspired by it. We liked Windy Mindy a lot. I think my daughter yeah. identified that, with that character. <laughs> that Can I? No, actually. And once I had the sort of vision of her sort of, blasting off into space i was like okay this is going to be a fun book anything with gas um and i'm not a child but i find that amusing um can i finish with one um there's a question from my producer's daughter who's read all of your books or more of a, a proposal her name is laura and she's proposing that you write a book together david williams you are one of the greatest writers ever and if we do ever create a book together let's split it well 70 30 70 for me buddy though and i've read a lot of your books and you are one of the greatest writers ever and you know that Sounds like my son, because <laughs> my son gave me the the title for the book Mega Monster, and he keeps on saying, "When am I getting half the money?" I go, "Well, you'll get it one day uh, when I'm not here anymore." But um, yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting when kids are so canny about it. But I often say to him, "How much money do I owe you for the book?" And he goes, "I don't know, Daddy, a hundred pounds like that." I go, oh, okay, if it's a hundred pounds, I, I, I can do that. <laughs> but uh good for you 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 got a you're canny i bet you can write your own book there you go and you can keep all the money which is better than having give me 30 david thank you so much it's an absolute pleasure for joining us on weekend breakfast you're the one person all the kids are like we would love to hear from him we'd love to talk to him so thank you so much great it's been lovely uh answering all their questions and talking to you so thank you very much for having me Weekend Breakfast with Alison Curtis. Playing the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here. Today.